him, My life is in you, Lord. Number 15 in the Red Praise Book.
Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Olivet Church of Robbinsdale. Our opening hymn, Come Christians, Join and Sing, number 60 in the red, red hymnal, in honor of the birthdays of Joy Grand and D. Franklin Smith. Thank you. 
don't work. There you now go. It's yes. Now it is. Now it is. Yep, it's on. We try to take care of all of this before the worship services. We realize that the mechanics are very important. We want to thank those by way of television and radio and YouTube and all the uh, other means of communication that we can get into the homes of people. If you have a concern, a prayer request, um, many times I anonymously pray for people. You can either write in or you can call in. And um, we thank you for the, the interest and the time that you give us. We have studies during the week and we have um, our worship service and our Bible study on Sunday mornings at 830, um, 825 to about 9, 10 or so. And we just thank you for the privilege to come into your homes. Um, there are those that are in need of prayer today. And so um, um, do we have any particular prayer requests that any would like to bring before the Lord? We have any? Robin. Our technician has not been doing well, so we do pray for Robin. Actually, we got a family living down with the upper respiratory, everybody's sick. Yes, seems to be kind of going through the um, Broken Park um, law enforcement, and they've been um, headed to a lot of um, challenges with law enforcement, pray for our law enforcement, and certainly the situation that... Uh, Two killing of the um, two policemen, Birchville and paramedic, the EMS. You know, um, I was a part of the ambulance crew up in Deer River and in the challenges that, you know, we encountered. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you today that we can come before you remembering of the concerns. We thank you for the book that has been written and is available to us and that the doctors will be sharing with us the, the book and the possibilities of getting this book. We do pray for our beloved Kathy Gross as she's recuperating. We pray for strength for Martha and the children. We say thank you, Father, that she's such a caring grandmother and give her added strength. The burdens that she experiences in work. We thank you Lord, for Robin, our technician, who was down with the flu and emphysema, and we, she is a very vulnerable person to illnesses. We thank you, for, Father, for the, our law enforcement and our EMS and our emergency services that provide immediate care. Pray for your hand of blessings upon our worship service today, Lord. Most of our lives are fairly predictable. The routine of our days gives us a measure of security. But sometimes the unpredictable, the unseen occurs. And then suddenly tragedy shatters the familiar. Sorrow, <laughs> sickness comes with almost unbearable pain. Most people in their anguish almost instinctively turn their thoughts to God for help. If we are Christians, we reach out in prayer to those who are in need. We pray for the gathering it meets. We pray for the new location of Jehob. And almost instinctively, we turn our thoughts to God for help. If we are Christians, we do so with the assurance that God, who has been faithful in the past, will now be faithful in our great needs. And there are many needs that I hear by way of television and radio and YouTube and F Facebook and get to and all the alternate means of ministry into the hearts and the lives of people. Father, you know them and we bring their names before you today. We believe that God can be trusted, who said, I will not leave you comfortless. I, I will come to you. So let us turn to Jesus. We ask your blessing upon the scripture that reminds us of 
of the love that you have for us. It's commonly referred to as the love chapter, but it's a turning to Jesus and his word for strength and help. And there are so many words of wisdom and comfort in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and so many truths. First, life is a transient possession. We possess many things in life, our loved ones, but all is so transient, a transient possession. In verse 8, Paul speaks about the things that religious, religious people may hold on to things and that give them status with others. Paul emphasized prophecies and tongues and knowledge. Paul says that as desirable as each of these may be, they are only temporal. Temporal. They disappear with the passage of time. Prophecies fail, tongues cease, knowledge vanishes away. Indeed, every physical and earthly thing is subject to decay and death. We're all in that highway to death and destruction. But we thank you, Father, that that's just a twinkling of an eye before our, our bodies cool. If we're in Christ, we, we go to heaven. And how penetrating it is to remember James, the brother of Jesus in the New Testament, when he states, for what is your life? What is your life? You are a mist, a fog that appears for just a little time, a speck of dust on the horizon, and then vanishes. From the day we are born, we begin our journeys to the grave. Father, we just pray your blessings now upon the scripture as those by way of television and other means of communication and radio and YouTube and Facebook as we join together in prayer. The prayer that you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Chris and Mike, would you make your way to the front, please? Our scripture lesson is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8 through 13. Yes. Um, reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with verse 8. Um, this is the gift of love. Um, love never ends, but as for pro prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. <clears throat> and now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. Here ends the reading of this morning's word. Good morning. We mentioned in our scripture today the gift of tongues, and that is a real God-given gift that finds its purpose in being prophetic, <coughs> prophetic or directly hearing a message from God on, on the word. I myself, I myself have spoken in tongues on a few occasions, but 
only when I had somebody there to interpret them. The ability to speak in tongues may be a gift we all have if we pray about it, but unless you or somebody is there to interpret it, it's just nonsense. In the Old Testament, the strange tongue of the Assyrian invaders was a, God, was a sign of God's unfaithful people of coming judgment. In a similar way, tongues may warn of God's judgment to those who stubbornly refuse to trust him. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 49, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 and 12, prophecy by contrast, by contrast strengthened the hearts of believers with the message about the future events from God. If there is none there to interpret of that tongue spoken, they are supposed to remain silent, as directed in chapter 14, verse 28. The reason he brought up the topic of language in the scripture without being an interpreter, he would sound like a barbarian speaking nonsense. People said that if one desires to speak a foreign language or tongues, they need to ask God for the ability to interpret or to have an interpreter present to hear the, hear the tongue spoken so that the meaning of it is given to all. And it benefits Christ's body as a whole. Tongues is a prayer language, and it's not the equivalent of praying in the Spirit. Two different things. Once again, one should not biblically, publicly pray or speak in tongues unless it can be interpreted either by themselves or somebody else. I'll, I'll do this at the end, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, thank you. Amen. We thank you, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to thee, O Lord. Most of our lives are, are fairly predictable. We get up in, in the mornings and we think we have the day so well planned. During my ministry of 50 plus years, I've been fortunate and blessed to be near um, those who conducted funerals and had funeral homes. And my ministry at the Bertha Hewitt Wrightstown was just a few miles away from where I grew up. And um, I was well known in the area through academics and sports, and oftentimes I was called upon to conduct um, funerals. Then we were at Deer River Big Falls. Um, I used to run and, and skydive with with the funeral home director, and I remember putting in a an ad in the paper. Um, um, I gave gave the editor a, a line to say. Um, um, if you're interested in skydiving, um, just call a certain number. And if you're interested in us doing funeral arrangements, just call the same number. <laughs> and I did get, get a lot of interesting feedback from that, all, all positive. We moved to Staples, and when I moved to Staples in that, um, our neighbor was the Brennies, and they had like um, 13 funeral homes and on the first day we arrived and we were unloading, the, the um, funeral home director had a, a way of approaching um, a new clergy and, and, and pretending that he was there to sell Kirby, Kirby vacuum cleaners. And I was forewarned and I, I, I met him at the door and I said, you must be the Kirby vacuum sales, uh, salesperson. And he said, yes, I am. And I said, would you come in and have a free demonstration of, in our, our living room? And he said, well, I'm not really prepared. I don't have the curvy long then. We established a very loving relationship, and we realized that we were born on the same date and in basically almost the same area. And he was just a few hours older than me. And just this past week, he had called me from Florida, and, and he said he had a hard time getting getting my telephone number, he called the church a number of times, and I said, well, the church doesn't have a telephone number anymore. It's my personal phone. And, and through the years, we've called one another on our birthdays, wishing one another birthdays. And my second visit, 
by that funeral home director. He said, just how tall are you and, and how heavy are you? And, and I said, well, why do you want my measurements? He said, well, I'm just kind of sizing you up for just perfect funeralization. Well, most of our, our lives are fairly predictable. When we moved to um, Robbinsdale here, um, um, my name was given to the Washburn Grieving Nursing Home and a number of other nursing homes and our nursing homes, um, funeral homes, funeral homes, and the funeral homes um, contacted me almost immediately, and I did not only a lot of the church funerals, but but the um, unchurch, the unchurch and military funerals. During my ministry. Um, much of our growth has come through um, service-related, military-related um, um, services because um, many realized in my early ministry I was a candidate to Annapolis and West Point, and later on I went into um, in chaplaincy. I received a commission. Old Langwin, Old Langwin was a representative, had senators and representatives from my congregations, and I would go and speak at the Senate and. House of Representatives and open it in prayer. Then this woke system came on and you couldn't use the name of Jesus. Well, that didn't stop me from using the name of Jesus. And then I noticed it kind of tapering off as people, um, those who were in charge of the prayers, they had to use a generic God, some generic God. It seemed like the Muslims and other denominations or faiths could get by with using their leaders' names, but we couldn't use the name Jesus. Well, as I mentioned earlier, many of our lives are predictable. The routine of our, our days as adds a measure of security. We feel kind of secure. And this sudden, suddenly, um, the tragedy um, strikes our very familiar um, life. And almost instinctively, we turn to God. In the military, I served some 47 different faith groups, and there were even the Satan's group. There was this large um, group at the time, some 30 years ago, that were nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, that had no religious affiliation. But through my experiences of, of deployments and death, tragedy, I found out that the, the rationale behind um, the unbelievers were very quickly dissolved when there was a pain or tragedy, they turned to Christ. Well, most people in their anguish almost instinctively turn their, their thoughts, their attention to God for help. And if we, we are Christians, if we are believers in the, the broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ, which is shed for the forgiveness of our sins, we turn our assurance to that very faithful Jesus Christ. We find that God is very faithful in the times of our particular needs. We believe that God can be trusted, the God who said, I will not leave you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So let us turn to Jesus and his word of strength and, and our help. There are some very gentle words of, of wisdom and comfort in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I would say probably the majority of my weddings in that, they've all asked and requested 1 Corinthians 13 because it's a love chapter, though I speak with tongues and men of angels but do not have love. I'm just like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is very patient and love is very kind. And instinctively, we are reminded that, that our lives, your life, we are very transient. We are a very transient vessel. We possess this transience. It's just passing through. Kind of tap your chest and say, I am very transient. I am very, very transient. In um, verse 8, Paul speaks about the things that religious people may hold on to. Things that give them status with others. 
He mentions prophecies. He mentions tongues and knowledge. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I, I, I kind of struggle with the fact of which, if I was given the choice between the loss of vision or the loss of mind, I probably would say almost the loss of vision. Because, you know, my mother who has experienced um, the loss of vision for the last 15 years, how she could keep her faith and, and, and her love and not being able to see anything when she dearly loved reading. Paul speaks about the things religious people may hold on to, things that give them status with others. He mentions prophecy, he mentions tongues, he mentions knowledge. Paul says that as desirable as each of these may be, they are only temporal. Only temporal. Paul says that the, the, in this passage of time, prophecies fail, tongues fail, knowledge vanishes away, that indeed every physical and earthly thing is subject to death and decay. How penetrating is the reminder of James in the New Testament when James, the brother of Jesus, states, For what is your life? What is your life from pulpit to pew? For you are just a mist, a fog that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. From the day we are born, we begin to that journey to the grave. Oftentimes we forget as Christians that we need to go through those Good Fridays before we can enter into the excitement of resurrection morning. And sometimes even Christians are guilty of minimizing the importance of Good Friday. That in order to experience the resurrection, we need to experience death and the despairs of the Gethsemanes. When I um, first um, moved to um, the Twin Cities, it's going on, what, Chris, 27 years ago, or going on 28 or so, I, I was impressed with the number of total strangers, total strangers, who visited our homes and wished um, Chris and myself well. But they all... They all sold life insurance. And one day, one, one of the visitors, one of the life insurance um, individuals was talking about the necessity, the necessity to be prudent, to be prudent in the pre preparation of all possibilities. Say it with me. Possibilities. Possibilities. If something should happen to you, Dr. Tabor, I vividly remember he started to say, but I, I inter interrupted him by saying, please don't say that. It upsets me. And he was a little startled, a little startled, but he began to try again. But with all due respect, Dr. Tabor, we must be ready. We must be ready if something should happen. And I said, don't say that, don't say that. I insisted. He looked um, totally bewildered, and he said, um, I don't understand what I said to upset you, Dr. Tabor. Then I'll talk, tell you all, I replied. It, is, uh, it upsets me that you talk about life's only certainty, that the, truly the only certainty in life is death, should the second coming of Christ be delayed. The only certainty as if it's only a possibility. It's more than a possibility, it's a certainty. Should the Lord tear his coming that we'll all face the grave before the resurrection. Death isn't a possibility. It's a certainty. You say, well, if, you say, though, if, when, whenever death is a subject, then I added, by the way, when something happens to you, I turned the tables on him and I, when this happens to you, what will really 
happen to you? And I was able to share the message of Christ when Mr. Brenny called me just a few days ago and owner of some like seven or eight funeral homes and and Washman McGreevy, Bill McGreevy, who I've he's taken out, he made a great contribution to our elevator and when we had that McGreevy recognition Sunday and he came back and he made like a thousand dollar contribution to the the lift and then when he came back I had a McGreevy presentation and Chris made a little plaque that we gave to him and and my treasurer came up to me afterwards and he says, you need to invite him back more because he made a contribution of $500, another $500. Death comes to all living things, yet it still shocks us. Death shocks us. A hundred or even a thousand years would not prepare us completely to give up those we love. I am totally invested in the Larson family. Chris Larson and Katie and and hardly day go by as I'm sure as Chris goes throughout his home that he doesn't think of Katie, his beloved wife of how many years, Chris? Three. Three. Oh, I'm married? Yes. Yeah. Fifty-seven. 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 Mm -hmm. Wonderful life. Mm -hmm. hey, Would you start dating when you were twelve, was it? Fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> but death comes to all living things. Yet it's, it's still a shock to us. Death comes and we feel adrift. We feel adrift at sea with no anchor, but there's one who would be our anchor. Who's our anchor? Jesus, Jesus Christ. In the area, in the sea of sorrow. Jesus helps us let go of the physical things we, we cannot hold on to and open our hearts to the eternal things, the souls and the spirits of those loved ones which we can never, never lose. Never lose. In this hour when we think of our loved ones, our parents, our grandparents, our spouses, our loved ones who have gone on before us, we can comfort our souls that if anyone, anyone believes in Jesus, Jesus says, though they have died, they shall live. And whoever lives and believes in Jesus shall never die. Now life is temporary in this world, and so are we. And let us make that prayer, the psalmist prayer, so teach us to number our days. Number our days and number our ways that we may gain a heart, a heart of wisdom. The greatest wisdom is to trust our lives. Trust our lives into the hands of Jesus Christ, who is eternal life. And to follow Jesus all of the days of our life, because life, life is a transient possession. It seems like as I have gone through 50-some years of preaching, that from the start of the service to the end of the service, it just goes by so quickly. It's just like a, a flash of time. The hymns that we sing, the scripture that we study, the message that is given. And I was reminded of that last night as our daughter Joy, a husband who was an F-16 fighter pilot, they went to a ball, and it was a, a father-daughter doll and ball. And we have the video and pictures that they sent to us about Elsie, and Elsie just turned three, and and I, I seen this rugged fight, fighter pilot hand in hand with his little daughter going to the ball together. A father and a daughter. The vulnerability of life and just a three-year-old and, and the strength and the stamina of this F-16 fighter pilot. And as Elsie waved goodbye to our, our daughter, Joy, Elsie said, Mom, we'll see you in a minute. Was it a minute or a second? Oh, we'll see you again in a minute. And actually, 
oftentimes, um, for some reason, as Elsie was growing up, she would say, well, we'll see you on Thursday, Grandpa and Grandma. We'll see you on Thursday. You know, the, the innocence of, of, and the purity of, of you. Life is very temporal. Secondly, our knowledge, our knowledge is finite. Our knowledge is limited. Life is temporary. Knowledge is finite. Our knowledge is so brief. We can't underestimate the reasons for death. It seems death always robs us. I remember a member of our congregation asking me the question, do you think, Dr. Deeper, do you think that death is easier for you than others because you understand the Bible and you understand the faith? And I've struggled that, with that for many years because it was so very hard to give up my father at 94 and my mother currently is 94 and been an, unable to see for, was it 15, 20 years, Chris or so? And the quality of life has is, is slipped away. Life is very temporal in this world and so are we. We should always make the, the prayer of the psalmist our prayer. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. We can't determine all the reasons why there is such brevity in, on life. I still remember a, a young couple that I performed a wedding for and they were very frequent in church and later on he was going through um, the Lowry Tunnel at supposedly over 120 miles an hour on his crotch rocket and he ran into the back of a stalled car and and his spouse came into the emergency room and they were massaging his heart and she said he, he has to, he has to live. He doesn't even realize that I carry our son. The brevity of life we can never, never really understand. We can't determine all the reasons for the death of our loved ones nor for so much of the troubles, the troubles of life. We don't even understand completely, but Paul, the Apostle Paul says, for we see in a mirror, we see in a mirror dimly. Our knowledge is perfect. We only know in a part. The tragedies that Martha has experienced, the son-in-law and the daughter, and she's raising her grandchildren. Mike, Tina, step forward, and is raising and helping to child care. Sometimes under the mystery of of death, we we in darkness we want to give up on life. We um, may be tempted to blame God, or we may be tempted to blame ourselves, or others, or even a lost one. But this does not help. No, we need to put our childlike faith and accept the 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 way of maturity. The Apostle Paul says the way of maturity. That's the way of patiently trusting who helps us and saves people to the, by his infinite love, demonstrated by his death on the cross for our sin. And there Jesus won a battle with evil and darkness and death for us. We, we can trust Jesus that he knows what is best. One, one day it will become clear because the Bible says for now, for now we... We see through a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now, now we know only in part when we shall understand fully, even as we have fully understood. Sometimes when all of life's lessons have been learned, the sun and the stars forever have set, the things which our weak judgments have spurned, the things of which we grieve with 
flash is wet. The flash before us out of life's dark night, all stars shine most in deeper, deeper tints of blue. And we shall see how all of God's plans, God's plans were right. Life certainly is transient, our knowledge is finite, but some eternal, some eternal things remain. And they are anchors for our souls in the storms of life. And the anchors, as I close, the anchor, the anchor of faith. In those times of great distress and great loss and great despair and discouragement, in that time, more than any others, we are called to live not by sight, but by faith. Faith is simply trusting Christ and his saving and, and his keeping power. Faith in putting our lives in Jesus' hands that we may say as we face the future, I can do all things. I am adequate for all things through the Holy Spirit that strengthens me through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the, that's the essential meaning, the meaning of faith. A family was awakened by the piercing glare of a smoke detector. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, a smoke detector going off. They discovered that their house, their house was on fire. And the father ran into the children's room and he carried the 18-month-old baby out in his arms and, and dragging his four-year-old in tow by hand. And they were they were halfway down, halfway down down the um, the hallway when the little boy of four realized that he had left his teddy bear, his teddy bear in the room. And he broke away from his father, and he ran back to get it. But in the, the fear and the confusion of the moment, the dad didn't notice that his son wasn't with him until he got outside. And by now, the, the boy was trapped by the fire and smoke in his second floor bedroom. Smoke whirled around him as he coughed, and he cried out the window, saying, Daddy, Daddy, help me. His dad yelled from below, jump out the window. Jump out the window, Randy. I'll catch you. But I can't see you, Daddy. I can't see you. And Daddy shouted back, that's okay. That's okay, Randy. I can see you. Jump. Faith is that first anchor that we need to realize in our love. And hope and joy is, is another. Hope comes from the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in a believer's heart. Hope. It comes from believing God's promises. Hope finds security in God's will. Hope looks to heaven and reunion and rejoicing with our loved ones who love the Lord. What would hope be like? And what would your life be like, Chris, without the hope of seeing Katie and your loved ones again? Or our loved ones again? Paul said that if in this life, this life we now live, only we have hope, we are of all most, most to be pitied. Christ Jesus rose from the dead and he prepared. He prepared a place for his people in heaven. He will take us home. And love is that third anchor. Love is that third anchor. Love is our shield. And love helps us against the most useless of regrets, of guilt, or bitterness, or resentment. Love is God's gift also to you and I. He sets his love abroad and he sends his love abroad into our hearts as his followers through his Holy Spirit nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus entrust your futures 
your futures and all its unknowns, all the days and the joys and the sorrows, that he may uphold you by his hands, who said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Father, this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and those by way of television and radio, he will keep us to the end, because he's our dearest friend. We are to place our hand in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. Hope and joy for the Christian comes from the presence of the Lord in a believer's heart. It also comes from believing in his promises. The fruits of the Spirit find us secure in God's will. They look to heaven and, and reunion and rejoicing with our loved ones who love the Lord. He said that in this life, if only we just have these, we are almost to be pitied. But Christ Jesus rose from the dead and he has prepared a place for his people in heaven. And he will take us home. Father God, with every eye closed and Christians in prayer as we dedicate and rededicate our, our attitudes and our altitudes and our aptitudes towards Christ, would you pray with me, dear Jesus, Open my heart, my mind, and my being to your Holy Spirit. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart and life. I thank you for your forgiveness. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue in worship, let us turn to our offertory prayer and would you join me in this prayer as we proceed deeper into the Lenten season teach us something of the vulnerability of love we see how vulnerable Jesus was in his expression of love we know how vulnerable you have been through the ages as you sought the revelation of yourself to humanity and were met with rejection and hostility let us not be frightened in our love, but give us this courage to extend it, even though we may be hurt. Accept these gifts in your service. Amen. And as we um, turn to our offertory and our offertory hymn, if you turn to um, offertory hymn, your red hymnals, the chorus is after verses 1, 4, Living for Jesus and continual prayers for Paul and Dr. Joel and Mike Thompson and the Thompson family. Let's pray. Thank you. 